Hi, welcome to the Not Your Typical Wellness Podcast with your host, Anna and Ashley. We are acupuncturists, moms, and friends here to put it all on the table. Learn and laugh with us as we explore the world of holistic health and discover the tools required to be happy, healthy, and mostly whole. Hi, this is Ashley. On today's show, we're going to talk to you about how acupuncture can help you conceive, whether you're trying to do it naturally or with IVF. And then we'll share with you a little bit about our own fertility journeys. And uh, you have a fertility journey to share. I sure do. Pregnant. I have been pregnant for you. Uh, Frankly, it was difficult. Uh, You know, so now I know that infertility impacts you know, 12% of the world's population and is a growing problem all over the world. But at the time when I was trying to get pregnant, I felt extremely isolated. I felt like I was the only one. It seemed like everybody was getting pregnant around me. Uh, you know, it felt like every celebrity was pregnant. Um, and, you know, I really struggled with feelings of failure, feelings of what's wrong with my body, uh, grief. I mean, every time I would get my period, I would cry for four for forty eight hours afterwards. I mm-hmm. really struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, no, and it, you, let me just interject. And I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you said you felt alone, but you're not alone. Mm-mm. This is a common problem. This is a big problem for lots of women. So, w- what are some of the numbers on that? You have some. So we have some info about that. It's because it's huge. The numbers are are huge, and they're growing every year, right? It's shocking. Yeah, eight how many to 12, women struggle? Yeah, eight to twelve percent of men and women. So it, you know, I feel like infertility gets painted as a female problem, but it both men and women are starting to have problems with getting pregnant, and it's growing. And depending on your age range, it will be mm. better or worse. Right. So. Um, yeah, I mean, 12, 12% of the population struggles with infertility. And infertility mm-hmm. is defined by uh, Western medicine as difficulty conceive, not being able to conceive after a year. Right, right. So it's very common, though. And this, I think this happened with you. This happened with me, with many people. It takes months, and it can be very frustrating. And I feel like once we decide that we're ready to have a baby, we want to have a baby yesterday. Exactly. Right? It's like, and it's like- Spend our whole lives like, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, doing everything we can, right? You get all these messages, don't get pregnant. Don't. And then all of a sudden it's like time and we're like, no, you know? Oh, oh my God. I mean, my public health, my public school sex education made it seem like if you looked at a penis, you were going to get pregnant. They were like, don't even look at it. Don't even 100%. look at it. You're going to get instantly yeah. pregnant. So then That's when right. you, you touch the, touch the boys at the dance, pregnant. Yeah. You're pregnant, bitch. Um, so <laughs> excuse my language, but you know, so it, it's not as easy as it makes it sound. You can actually only get pregnant. Did you know this Ashley for 48 hours out of the month? I bet you knew that already. I probably, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I got, went deep. I went deep when I was trying to, to get pregnant myself, but I forgot that statistic and that's wow 48 hours cuz you're obviously tell you that in the sex ed. No, they don't tell you that cuz they don't want you to try and play the odds there but right you don't know which 48 hours they assume unless you're tracking your um fertility. Cycle. Here's another right. thing. I when I first started trying to get pregnant, I was just putting I had a very consistent period so I thought to myself, well this will be very easy. I was so naive. But what I was doing in the beginning is I was just putting my uh, period into an app 
that would track the time and they would give me an estimated time of ovulation and estimated time of my period. So ovulation Mm -hmm. is obviously that 48 hours where you can get pregnant, right? Uh, Turned out that even though my period has been extremely consistent since a young age, that I was not ovulating at the time that the app was anticipating. So Mm. it's really important if you want to try to get pregnant to add biomarkers into your tracking. Whether you do it manually or you put it into an app, you need to be taking your temperature. You need to be checking your cervical mucus. You need to be, if you want to, you can check your cervix. Your cervix will change shape over the course of your period or over the, right. sorry, over the course of your cycle. Uh, it'll soften. It'll soften. So you can, the lesson that I learned is you cannot just say, okay, well, I have a consistent period. Let me just track my period and then I'll have sex, you know, when the app says it's supposed to be. Right. And, you know, I mean, you, you could try that. It just might make things a little bit harder and it might take you a little bit longer. It might be sure. more frustrating. So like, why not throw in, like you said, the biomarkers and what you mean by biomarkers, you mean, you mean tracking right temperature, basal body uh, mm-hmm. temperature throughout the cycle. And if you've ever done this, you can, you can graph your temperature every single morning. And then you look at these graphs of your cycle and you can see when your body temperature goes down and when it comes up. And then, you know, based on those changes, when you're ovulating a little bit, a little bit uh, more specific, right? Mm-hmm. Ovulation times. And then what was the other thing that you said? What did you do? You didn't, you didn't uh, chart I, your cycle, so, right, Anna? You used something more yeah, technologically I, advanced. I did. I, um, I'm basically a human from the future. I used a, <laughs> a wristband, an app wristband that would take my temperature for me, take my breathing rate, um, tell me how much I slept, et cetera, et cetera. And then I would upload that information into the app in the morning and that would track my charting for me. So, because, okay, here's the trick about the basal body temperature. You need to take it after having slept five hours. So if you're like me and you wake up at like five and you have to pee, and you get back in bed, you sleep for another two hours, you need to take your temperature before you get out of bed and pee and write it mm-hmm. down. And when I would do that and I'd wake up at five or you know, sometimes 4.30 very early, I would start to stress about my fertility. I'd write down my temperature. I'd say, am I ovulating? Is this the right time? Did I write it down right? Did I take the temperature right? And it just really affected my sleep. So instead I just did the app. I mean, I did the bracelet in the app, which took my temperature for me, I uploaded it. And then it would give you a window of time that you were fertile and a window of time that you were not fertile. And actually it's great for birth control prevent, you know, for preventing pregnancy. If you're interested in that, it works both ways. It tells you when to have sex or when not to have sex. Yeah. But you charted it the old fashioned way. You wrote it down. I did. I did. I had, I had uh, just a thermometer that goes under your tongue. I kept it right by my bed. I had a little chart that I printed out just a blank chart, you know, with little square for each day of the month. And I printed it out, had it with a pencil right next to my bed. And, um, you know, there were some days when I did like, like what, what you were talking about where you have to wake up, you know, before it's actually time to get up to pee and then you go back to sleep and then you wonder like, Ooh, is it going to be okay? I figured, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. So it would probably sort itself out. And, you know, it did. Um, I was able to get a pretty accurate graph of my cycle and my cycle changes. And if you're not familiar with um, basal body temperature charting, 
or charting your cycle, well, first of all, there's much more information online. But in general, uh, the idea is that in the first half of your cycle, your body temperature is significantly lower. And then um, as in the second half of your cycle, it's higher. And we all know that ovulation is typically in the middle of your cycle, and it varies by a few days based on you, but you can see there's a shift in your temperature. And so you watch for this shift. And what actually happens um, when right before you ovulate, you'll notice a dip in your temperature and then it'll spike up the very next day. So you get this dip and then a spike. And that's what is, that's kind of the cue that there was an LH surge and that you're hopefully releasing a healthy follicle and it's time to go for it. Yeah. Ovulation. hours. Yeah, ovulation means the egg has left the station and is floating down right. and is ready to meet the sperm. That's so right. You, That's right. Here's another thing. Let's talk about the old wives' tales about when you're supposed to be having sex, right? Ooh, good. So Old wives. They said that if you read the internet, I mean... God, God help you if you read the internet, but you know they'll say, oh, you need to have sex every other day if you want to get pregnant every other day, uh-huh. okay? Uh-huh. Or you need to have sex every day. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I was post-35 when I was trying to get pregnant. I was, I mean, I started at 34. I don't think I got pregnant until 37-ish. I can't remember exactly now. My brain is mush. But if you're in your mid-30s, and you're working full time or you're going to school full time like I was and working. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you want to have sex every day? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And if you do, please, yeah, call us, right? Please call us and give us, give us some inspiration some for advice. our lives. Give us, give us some, some advice. advice. But the reality is, is if you're, and here's the other thing. If your husband's sperm is healthy, then it's okay to have that much sex, but the really, the reality is there's only 48 hours that you can get pregnant. And so what you sh- should be doing is charting your cycle and having sex three or four days before you ovulate and then the day of ovulation because sperm can last in the human body, in the female body for how long? Five days. Mm-hmm. So what you want is that egg to release and there'd be a team of sperm waiting. That's right. You know, and the strongest team player survives. We'll meet the egg. Yeah. Yes. And then let's just hit on cervical mucus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many of us have had never even considered cervical mucus? Have you? I, had you? No. No. Absolutely not. No. I mean, when did when did we ever learn about cervical mucus? I mean, I mean, the name isn't very charming, is it? No. Uh, Okay. So, but this is another really nice little, I mean, these are just like easy at home things that you can do, right? Right. Kind of increase your chances of knowing like when is, when is it the right time? Obviously you can also do ovulation tests, but um, you know, like you stack the cards in your favor, right? So cervical mucus, when, when the mucus inside of your vagina becomes like egg whites and you can access it with your fingers, Yep. Like just, you know, go in and get a little (laughs) and, and it will actually become sort of like stringy, uh, you know, opaque, like egg white, like, yep. Shockingly similar to egg whites. And when you see that, it's just another cue. It's like, okay, the body is prime. The body is ready. Um, 
Yep. And that is actually supposed to create a really hospitable environment for sperm. That's the, the reason for the change in the cervical mucus. It yes. Makes, it's, it's like a little boat for the sperm to take the, take the team. Exactly. The That's exactly right. That type of cervical mucus is ideal for the sperm to swim in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they like love each other, the sperm and yep. that mucus. Yeah. Good friends. Yeah. Good friends. Um, but you know, the other thing I I would like to say is, you know, I was doing a lot of acupuncture. I was Mm -hmm. taking a lot of herbal medicine. My husband was on supplements and Mm -hmm. those all impacted me. You know, um, I think I read somewhere that acupuncture alone increases your egg production rate by 50%. Did you know that? How, wow. And I'll put all the links to all our yeah. studies in the show notes and stuff like that. But, you know, that, mean, made a huge, yeah, that made a huge impact. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I also gave up coffee and started drinking tea because there have been studies that show switching. It's not even the caffeine level, but just switching from coffee to tea will also help you get pregnant. And, and I, that's probably tea has more antioxidants. They're not, they're not sure yet. We don't know yet, but that's the idea. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, if, and if that was the case, like you can probably do things with your diet too. We know that's not probably, but you certainly can improve Mm -hmm. your diet as far. And by improve, I mean, just eat real food, like as Mm -hmm. much as possible. Fresh whole food is helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, so how, how long had you been trying, how long take us through it though, Anna? Like, so you were how old when you started trying? I think I was around 34, late, late 34, close to 35. Okay. Well, and so you were doing it took us three years to get pregnant. It took us three years to get pregnant. Um, you know, we went to a fertility specialist, uh, after about a year of trying and, uh, she got blood work done, all that sort of stuff. And we were pushed very strongly towards IVF. Um, because I was, I think, I guess, 35 at the time we went to the fertility specialist. I wasn't quite ready, like emotionally, mentally, physically, financially to do IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, and we discovered that, you know, my husband had low motility, quote, normal, but low. Let me tell you something. If you go to the doctor and they tell you your husband's sperm is, quote, low but normal, that's something that you need to start, you and your husband need to start taking supplements for. You need to address that, right? You need to address that right away. And there are a lot of really great over-the-counter supplements that help. Um, So we can put some links to some literature that you guys can read about. I'm not going to recommend any specific supplements, but there are, there's a book written by fertility doctors who address this issue that we can link in the show notes. Um, but that was really significantly downplayed by the fertility doctor. And I was very strongly encouraged to get IVF. Um, so, uh, but again, like I said, I wasn't emotionally or mentally prepared to do that at that point. Um, so I just decided to throw the kitchen sink at it and yeah, get acupuncture get herbal medicine, um, and do what I could to conceive naturally. I wish that the doctor had taken more time to ask us, like, how often are you having sex? 
When are you having sex? How are you tracking your cycle? Because at that point, I still wasn't using the biomarkers. So it took me another six months. So this is now a year and six months in before I realized I was ovulating at a different time. And so we were never having sex at the right time. Right. So it's like, that's just dumb. Like, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't mean to like hate on myself, but I mean, that's just like wasted time. So then it was another year and a half, uh, from that point forward when I was confident we were having the right amount of sex, having sex at the right time, all of that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. that then the acupuncture and the herbal medicine for both my husband and myself kicked in. And then we were finally able to conceive. So now you were, you were, were you doing acupuncture the whole time? No, no. Okay. You brought that in towards the end. Towards the last year and a half. And then I started last year and a half. Mm -hmm. Because I was Mm -hmm. creeping closer to 40. So, you know, it was staring down the barrel of, of IVF. So when you went to this fertility specialist and, you know, let's be honest, it's a big business fertility. It was a baby factory. It was in Beverly It was fancy. It was Beverly Hills. It was expensive. We got 15 Mm -hmm. minutes with the doctor. We spent thousands Mm -hmm. of dollars on tests. Right. And, and so, I mean, I, I can, it's not shocking that you, you know, you were sort of pushed in one direction, which is a perfectly fine direction. If, if that's your choice and if that's, you know, if that's the direction you choose to go, but you weren't trying to go that direction. So you were actually looking for more help, more support, um, to, to try and conceive naturally. Mm -hmm. Right. And you weren't given that. So what did you do? I mean, did you just, did you go to the internet? Did you? uh, I freaked out. You know, like, yeah, that must must have been really stressful. I I bet. Yeah. I freaked out. Uh, I Mm. freaked out. Uh, I cried a lot. Um, I threw a lot of temper tantrums. I mean, I hate this. I don't mean it like that, but I just thought like, uh, I think what a lot of women think, uh, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've wanted to be a mom my whole life. Why is this so difficult? Um, why is this the hand that I'm being dealt? Um, you know, what's wrong with my body? And um, I did eventually, but here's the other thing. I was so, I, and I wonder if other women have experienced this. I feel like they have. There's so much in the atmosphere. There's so much in society about, oh, once you're over 30, you're basically, your uterus is a trash bag. Forget about trying to get pregnant. You got to freeze your eggs. Like you're, you're (laughs) geriatric. Yeah. You're geriatric. You're donezo. And so I was like already expecting to have fertility issues, even though I have no history of that in my family. My mom got pregnant with me, with my, with my younger brother when she was 36. You know, I don't have any history of that, but I was already expecting somebody to tell me your body is broken. I was like, because the messaging is like, you're toast. There's no chance you're washed up. You're done about it. Yeah. And so I was so already like anxiety ridden, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. And and that just, I mean, that's just a tiny sliver of the bigger issue in our society. And that's a different topic altogether, but right. Exactly. We're all stressed. We all have so much anxiety and not to, not to take away from your stress and anxiety in the time, but I'm saying that you aren't alone in this either. Right. Because I think that has so much to do with, you know, why, so many people struggle. And the reality is, 
oh my God, yes. Oh my God, yes. And the reality is, is all the time that we were trying to get pregnant, my stress level was through the flipping roof because we Mm -hmm. were in school full-time. I was also working full-time. And there are a lot of studies that stress significantly impact conception. So, right. You and know, egg quality, right? And, so we know that stress can disrupt hormones and hormones are crucial in producing and releasing a healthy egg. So it's very important, right? To keep stress levels low. It's extremely important. And stress can also impact uh, implantation, you know, in the, um, in the blood flow to the uterus. I mean, there's, we, again, like I said, we can list some show notes, but, and then once you start quote unquote struggling with infertility, Mm -hmm. they did a study in psychology today in 2010, that stress levels of women with infertility are equivalent to that of women with cancer, AIDS, or heart disease. So it's like, even if you weren't stressed before, once you have trouble getting getting pregnant, then like it's very... Yeah. So it becomes this vicious cycle, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's just hard to get out of that stress loop. Um, And and acupuncture can play a huge role in helping you break that cycle, right? Because even if you can't mentally get a hold of it, um, you know, the, the, the acupuncture needles will actually act on your parasympathetic nervous system and upregulate that to help calm you down, break the cycle. So it's a great solution, right? It's a great option for stress induced anything. Exactly. Stress induced anything. It, 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 physically forces you to de-stress whether you want to or not. And that's the beauty of acupuncture. And my favorite part is when I would tell people I was struggling with infertility, everybody would say, oh, just relax. You know what happens when you tell somebody to relax? Uh Uh-huh. They do not relax. Twice as stressed. Yes, twice as stressed. So, (laughs) right. You know, um, yeah, so I've had a lot of friends and, um, you know, I, I call them sisters, it's sisters in the infertility struggle who mm-hmm. have decided to go forward with IVF and, you know, are fortunate that they were able to have successful pregnancies as a result. And Same. thank God, thank God we have IVF because I know there's so many wonderful mothers out there who are mothers because of the IVF process. Yeah. So it, it's a blessing. little humans. Perfect little humans. Perfect little humans. Perfect little monsters who are going to destroy your (laughs) little Uh, monsters who will destroy everything you have. So it's an excellent resource. It's an excellent tool. I think there's just like shades of gray that women can empower themselves because it's like, even if you have, you know, more complicated fertility issues, you know, there are a lot of things that you can do to even support the IVF process that I don't think women are even educated about. You know, right? Because where would they get that education? That's the problem. I feel like we have a there's not enough, not enough information. There are not enough resources around, you know, other natural ways to support natural either natural pregnancy or, you know, if you're using IVF, it, it doesn't just have to be the IVF protocol. You can also supplement in other ways. You can boost your chances, right? Because you know there have been studies that have shown that acupuncture will increase the success rates of IVF by 20% or more, which is That's huge. Significant. That's, That's significant. That's huge. But Absolutely. actually, I mean, your fertility journey wasn't a walk in the park. Am I right? No. No. Well, I, you know, much like what, what you were saying with, you know, you, you already, you came into it in a, 
in a state of great stress and sort of you were already anticipating troubles before they started, which doesn't help anything. Um, I was anticipating trouble because of a, <clears throat> a diagnosis I received years before. So I, I, um, we started trying to get pregnant when I was 30. Let me do the math. You had to try and do this math too. It's just not hard math. But time, time yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Between COVID and babies, no. there is no such no. thing as time. There's no time. I was 35. So I was right. I was technically in that geriatric range, right? Mm-hmm. Toast. Yeah, exactly. Washed <laughs> up. Um, so 35, also in the middle of my master's program with you, studying Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. I had received a diagnosis years before um, because I was interested in finding out if I could possibly get pregnant. And that's because all my life I had very irregular periods. I tried to take birth control in college. Well, I did. I took birth control in college and it made me have a period for like 40 days in a row or something. It was crazy. Yeah. And so I stopped that and then I got an IUD and so I stopped having a period altogether for five years. Um, and then when that came out, um, my periods never really regulated. So I've, I had this history of very irregular periods, very light periods. Um, at one point, uh, one doctor diagnosed me with PCOS. So, um, so Moving down the line, I went uh, to a reproductive endocrinologist when I was about 27 or 28, and I got all the testing done, and I was like, look, you know, I'm not ready to have a child right this moment, but I am curious to see kind of where I stand in the matter. Like, will I be able to, because of this complicated history I've had? And so she did all the tests and, um, you know, genetic testing, ultrasounds, blood work, And her diagnosis was premature ovarian failure. And she said that I would most likely not be able to get pregnant um, naturally, that I would probably need to go the IVF route. Um, And how old were you when this happened? 27 or 28. Wow. Which, I mean, yeah, that's young. I was young. I I was otherwise very healthy, I thought. So unexpected and kind of devastating. Um, so I just sort of put that on the back burner. I was like, well, you know, it's not time to try right now. Um, this is terrible information, but I just, I, I don't really know what to do with this right now. So I'm just going to put it aside. So fast forward, um, 35, like I said, in this program, and, um, I've just, after two years of Chinese medicine school, I feel like I learned so much about, you know, about this incredible medicine, about our bodies, about the resilience of the human body. Like I I know that just because we are in one state of health at one point in our lives that I believe it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to remain in that state, right? We can heal. Our bodies can, can come back. We can change things with our lifestyle and our diet and, um, things like acupuncture and herbs. So I thought, well, um, you know, let's give it another go, right? Well, let's give it a go because we hadn't tried yet, but we decided that we're probably at the end of the window if it was going to happen. So 
it was time to try. So we started um, trying to get pregnant in May. Naturally. Uh, Naturally. Right. Right. And so, right. So I I still wanted to say, I was like, you know, it's easier to just try naturally. Right. It's free. It's something we can do at home on our own schedule. (laughs) Well, mostly on our own schedules, but um, so we, th- I thought, let's just, let's just try naturally and see if we can. And if we can't, then we'll look at all the other options. Um, so I started getting acupuncture twice a week. I was also taking herbs, um, drinking herbal tea. And, uh, I, I found a, a supervisor recommended a really, really great book called the infertility cure by Randy Lewis. Um, we'll put that in the notes, but she, um, outlines lots of really wonderful supplements for improving egg quality, kind of depending on your condition for improving egg quality. Um, also there are supplements for, for sperm, right. Mm -hmm, For boosting mm -hmm. the motility and health of sperm. So, um, I sort of came right into it with the kitchen sink. I, I knew I anticipated a, a, a challenge. I didn't know if we'd even be able to do it. And so, um, I sort of just came in with all the tools that, that I had. Um, I cut out like you coffee. I switched to tea. Um, I was meditating very, very regularly. I was, um, exercising, but not extreme exercising, like very balanced exercising, lots of walking, lots of yoga, lots of stress management, like very active stress management. Mm -hmm. Um, I said the acupuncture, which I think was huge because that's, you know, tackling so much. And um, I actually got pregnant the very first month that we started trying. So we started trying in May. And so now this is me coming in, you know, seven years after this premature ovarian failure diagnosis saying, you know, you can't get pregnant without IVF. And so I get, boom, first month pregnant. Wow. But then, And so I'm also tracking everything. So I, I was doing my um, basal body temperature charting um, and I was taking ovulation tests just to like to double confirm. So I would see it on the chart. Like I would see the dip and the spike in my temperature. The cervical mucus was egg white. Then I would take the ovulation test, confirm, confirm, confirm. Okay, let's go. Um, <clears throat> so I get pregnant, but because I was tracking everything, checking my temperature, it went up, it went up and then it dipped and I had a miscarriage that very okay. first. Right. Because the temperature has, needs to stay elevated for the, for the pregnancy to take. Exactly. Exactly. I was at a U2 concert with my parents <laughs> and oh. I started feeling really terrible and I went home and then the next morning I got up and um, my temperature had plummeted and then I started bleeding. And so I knew, and it was, it was a chemical pregnancy. miscarriage. It was a chemical pregnancy, right? And it was a super early. If I hadn't been tracking everything, I, I would have just thought it was a period, maybe with mm-hmm. some extra cramping. Um, so that was really, you know, you get very excited, you get so excited, mm-hmm. so hopeful. And then as you know, anyone who's ever gone through a miscarriage, it can be devastating, right? Sure can. Um, it's a loss. Super upsetting. It's a Don't loss. Don't let anybody tell you it's not a loss. It's a loss. No, it's a loss. So 
Um, however, my, m- I-, I kept the hope because I know that an early miscarriage, uh, a miscarriage when you're trying can almost pave the way for success in the coming months. It, you know, boosts your fertility chances. Interesting. According to everything I had read, everything I had heard. I mean, there are, there are forums about this. I actually don't know if there are studies that back, back this up, you know, proper mm-hmm. studies, but I had heard so much about it's very common to have a very, have an, a miscarriage early on when you're trying and then you get pregnant like the next month or the, or two months later sort of clears out your uterus, clears everything out, um, tells your body that it's possible that this is, this is happening and it kind of primes you. So June, we tried again, nothing. My period was very irregular. July, we tried again, nothing. And then, um, but my period had regulated. And then in August, um, the pregnancy test was positive. Wow. And um, then I was really paranoid about, you know, having another miscarriage and, and, or is it real? And so I bought one of those like big bulk packs of pregnancy tests. So I had like 50 of them or something. And I, I took, I was doing like, you know, like three a day and, and, and I, I kept every one and I had them, I had them out on my table. I just lined them up and I watched the line just get darker, 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 until it was like as dark as the line could possibly be. And um, then I took it upon myself to go get blood work done and test my HCG levels. And HCG is the the pregnancy hormone. Um, and so this this number should rise and it should start to double every few days if you're if you're um, pregnant and it's a healthy pregnancy. And so this is even before I had gone to the doctor. So I, I, and you can order these labs. I was going to say, how did you get this? How did you, yeah, you go on, you go online, you go to Quest or LabCorp and in California, at least here. Um, and you can just buy the test, an HCG test. And then you just go to a local lab and you take them the receipt for the test you purchased and they'll draw your blood and they'll send the results. Wow. So if it's something that's not very complicated, like this was just a straightforward, a single number, um, you know, I could interpret that. I could read that. So, um, you know, it felt, I just, I felt empowered to be able to just do that on my own. It's so interesting how different you and I are because I'm so (laughs) avoidant. I'm like, don't chart, don't read anything, just ignore it, put your head in the sand and Uh magic will happen. And you're much more like, let me get in the weeds. Let me do the data. It's just like such an interesting way to, you know, so In a way, ahead. ignorance might be bliss. You know? I mean, I, I, mean, know. I might yeah. have had too much information. Yeah. Um, but sure enough, the number was doubling. In fact, the number was like skyrocketing. And so I can go into a rabbit hole on that. Like too high is not necessarily good. That can also mean bad things. So anyway, I finally went to the doctor and um, eventually it was, I guess, uh, the first ultrasound um, and he was listening for a heartbeat and he was like, there's a heartbeat. He's like, and there's the other heartbeat. And I was like, Oh, what, what do you mean? My heartbeat? And he was like, no, no, the other heartbeat. There are two heartbeats. I was like, oh, what? And it was, <laughs> and twins. he was like, twins. 
You, you were very you pregnant. Too. I was. You weren't just pregnant. a little pregnant. You were. Very I was pregnant. double pregnant. You were yeah, double pregnant. Yeah. Thanks Chinese medicine. Yeah, <laughs> and supplements and all the things. So yeah, yeah you know, um, yeah, success. It 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 worked and and um, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. What about like I was talking to somebody yesterday who's struggling with fertility, and she was like, the hardest part about it is I feel like all the work is on me. She's like, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband is very supportive and, you know, it couldn't be a better husband. She's like, but I have to get the test. I have to chart my cycle. I have to go to the doctor. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I mean, boy. And it doesn't really change when you're pregnant, a mother. And and that's not to say that, that partners aren't, you know, partners can be so supportive and so helpful and it really takes a team. But like at the end of the day just more falls on your shoulders. As They're a mom, not carrying the baby. It's the woman, it's your body, it's your print, you know, you're carrying it. Exactly. And then I think also, you know, men don't understand as much in general or, or, or no, I mean, but why would they, they don't yeah. have to, they don't need, yeah. they don't have a uterus. They don't have, you know, they don't it's, menstruate. Like, yeah, they're not tracking cycles. Like, sure. It, yeah. It, it does feel like a burden at times for sure. But, you know, m- maybe we flip the script on it and say it's incredible what our bodies can do as women, right? We've mm-hmm. got these powers. To, we can grow humans. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's absolutely remarkable. It's so, incredible. um, and for know, all of those of you understand. Out- Well, and for all of you out there right now who are thinking, but I can't grow human. I haven't gotten pregnant. There is hope. Do not despair. Like there is hope. No, do not despair. And and grow humans can mean inside your body or uh, outside of your body when you're raising one. Exactly. You know, came from another place. Exactly. You know, women are mothers, whether you have a child, a human child, whether you have a pet, whether you have a plant, you know. The other thing I feel, I feel like I really learned in my fertility journey is the babies choose when they want to come, how they want to come. And there might be a baby out there looking for you who came from another person's body, but they want you exactly. to be their mom. And, and their little souls will orchestrate that, like no matter what, you know? Yeah. And like, I have, I have friends who adopted and, and that's, they're a perfect child for them. And it couldn't yeah. have been any other way. And it just was the way it was exactly meant to be, you know? Um, so it's like, I think there's a lot of emphasis when you're trying to get pregnant. You get, it can be very easy to be hyper-focused on like, okay, well, I need my body to do this. And I, you know, I went down the IVF route and like, you know, it, it didn't work or whatever, but like, that child that's meant to be your child will come to you and it's either going to come to you naturally IVF or through adoption or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that child choose that. I really firmly believe the child, the child chooses the parent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And it's a little bit, it it comes back around to what, what we were chatting about, uh, right before the show. And, uh, you know, it's that surrender. Mm -hmm. Like if we can, if we can let go just a little and surrender to, you know, 
whatever outcome will be, then, you know, maybe it's a little bit less painful. You know, we don't have to latch on so hard to it has to come from my body or it has to just be natural. It has to be this way or that way. You know, uh, it can be in whatever way it comes. And that's just right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Couldn't agree so more. surrendering to the process, I finally got to have a conversation with uh, Isla and Seneca. That's my my daughter Isla and my son Seneca. We were we were talking about um, who they were before they were Isla and Seneca. The other oh, what they say? <laughs> and Isla said she was a star. Oh wow! And um, and Seneca said they both said they were stars. I think oh, we wow. must have been talking about the universe, but um, anyway, Isla was like, I was very excited for you you and Papa to become my parents. She was, oh. I was like, did you choose us? She was like, of course. Oh. So she told me herself that she chose us That's so as a little sweet. star. That's yeah. so sweet. That, you know, that makes sense. When I look at her, I think she looks like a little star. Yeah. She's, yeah, absolutely. She's a little star. So uh, we hope this episode helps you in your journey, wherever you may be, gives you some hope gives you some comfort. Um, you are, you are not alone if you're struggling with infertility or if you're afraid you might eventually struggle with infertility. Uh, exactly. If it's proven, if it's anticipated, there are so many resources, there are so many options, you know, doctors have a lot of answers, but not all the answers. It's not the full story. Just, you know, a lab report is not the full story. You're, your current condition is not the full story. There's so much more that can be done. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stay tuned for our listener question segment where Ashley and I answer your questions about anything and everything. Hi, and we're back for another listener mailbag. Listener questions have been emailed in and Ashley and I are going to answer them to the best of our ability. Okay, Anna, your turn. Uh, Our next question is... What do you do in your free time? Well, I, I like to do projects around the house. And currently, I am attempting to update the vanity bathroom space. And I texted my husband the other day and I said, well, I've watched a three-minute video and I now feel qualified to replace the faucet in our bathroom. And that's what I'm going to attempt to do this week. So fantastic. Yeah. Three minutes, three minute Home Depot video. And I know what you're thinking. Hey, maybe Home Depot has an interest in making this look so easy, right? Because they want to sell you a faucet and they want to get you high on this belief that you can do it. And and let, let me tell you something. I am smoking what they are selling. I feel fully confident that I can do this. So I'll I let you know. You, Anna. Thank you. I believe in you, Anna. Next up for you, who were you in a past life, Ashley? And you can take that as freaky deaky or as straight and narrow as you like to. Who were you in a past life? I wish I knew who I was. You know, I'll answer, I'll answer two ways. If we go back before I was me, before I was in this body, I have, I've had my Akashic records read. Oh, wow. And I was told that I was a sailor. Interesting. A female sailor. Maybe I was a pirate. I don't know, but I was on, I spent time on ships on the water for what it's worth. I feel like that's super cool. I'm into that. That's very cool. I've always wanted to sail. I have this desire in this life to learn to sail 
And so maybe there's something about that, like that connection between what I did before I was me. Wow. Wow. That's very interesting. I'm terrified of sailing. So I am very impressed. Thank you. Yeah. I just, just something about the, the wind in my sails, you know, the freedom, the open water. I'm kind of terrified of the ocean at the same time. So I don't know. It's, it's a strange. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like if society collapses, you're the type of person that survives. You know, Thanks. like you're the person that like, lives in water. That's a great world. compliment, Anna. <laughs> really, that's like the best compliment you could give me. That's I'm amazing. going to hitch my wagon to you. If everything well, collapses, I'm going to search you out and then just be your bud. <laughs> based on your home, your sweet home skills, I think that you would survive as well. Thank you. Oh, yeah. We'd have, we would have uh, running water. It would be totally janky. And not look as very long as good. We could get to Home Depot. Yeah, it's like get a faucet. <laughs> Let we me ask you this: it somewhere I could, if society collapses, will Home Depot still be up and running? <laughs> That's my first question. Probably very not. important. Very. So the other my uh, my other answer to that is before I was an acupuncturist practicing Chinese medicine, I um, I had many lives. I. Um, I was a teacher in Korea. I worked in r- restaurants for many years at many different levels. Um, I worked in marketing. I worked in animation production. Wow. I was a personal trainer for a few minutes. Um, wow. I think I got them all. Wow. Anyway, clearly I was searching, you know, I- for my thing and the path was winding. I mean, it sure is. You know, every everything I did made sense at the time, and there was a very logical explanation for why I started doing that, you know? But mm-hmm. it's just so crazy to go back and, and talk about that and think it just sounds like, whoa, what right. else? Add something else. Throw something else in the mix. Like, <laughs> right. Why not? Right. <laughs> I mean, um, hey, if we keep doing this podcast another 10 years, you might be saying sailor. Maybe so. Maybe. Maybe so. That'd be great. No. Maybe we'll maybe we'll be doing the podcast from the sailboat. I mean, good for you because it's I mean, there's so much pressure in society, like pick a job, go to college, you get a degree, and you stick to that degree, you become an accountant and you die an accountant. You know? Yeah, I was I was adamantly averse to that that specific thing, that very statement that you made when I graduated from college. I was like, I will not go get a job. I am going to go traveling. I don't know what I want to do or be. I was forced to pick a major. I, I mm-hmm. majored in journalism at UT Austin. And when I finished, I was like, done. I am out of here. Screw you guys. I'm going to go see the world. I am not going to sit in an office in front of a computer slaving away for someone else. Just not, wow. not doing that. And for better or worse, now the people who sucked it up and got the job and did their time early on, like when they were younger, like most people I know who went a more traditional route are like in a really good place now and very secure. And like, maybe they own homes and, you know, they like have the freedom they want as they've got, you know, it's a different life for sure. And it's not all bad, but at the time I was like, uh, uh-uh, not for me. Wow, that so, is really 
I'm very impressed. This whole conversation has just really blown me out of the water. Hey, thanks, Anna. What, what about you? What did, who were you in a past life? Well, I had the same windy road that you did with the exception of I just spent the whole time beating myself up for the fact that I wouldn't just fit in a box and get that <laughs> office job. Do you know what I mean? Like, whereas you were yeah. like, I'm not going to do it. I was like, why can't I be normal? Just be normal. <laughs> just fit in a box. Um, so I was, um, a yoga teacher for a period of time. And then, uh, of course I worked in a restaurant for, you know, Mm -hmm. for a period of time. And then I, um, became an attorney for a period of time. I was a lawyer and no big deal. Just went out and became an attorney. No big deal. No big deal at all. Uh, and then I, quit that. And I was a wardrobe stylist, which means that I put clothes on models for magazine shoots. And then I also assisted red carpet stylists. So I helped red carpet, red carpet stylists dress celebrities. And then, wow. Yep. And then I finally went to Chinese medicine school and, uh, then I got into data healing and energy work and yeah now I'm here and I'm a podcaster now can we add that to the list yeah uh so put it on the list so yeah but um I think like you said every thing seemed logical at the time and also I would say that every skill that I've picked up has served me in whatever future job I have I I mean there's no job where I don't like use my tool bag of skills Yes. I agree. I, I agree. I understand completely. And I think the same, the same, I've, I have drawn so much from everything I've done. Working in restaurants, service industry has added so much value to my life and my tool bag. Yep. I mean, learning to, to work with people, (laughs) you know, and, and, and managing that high intensity environment and, understanding service, customer service, and mm-hmm. learning how to, I, I learned how to cook. I feel like from working in restaurants for so long, you know, you watch, you watch the chefs cooking and yeah, tasting food. It just, just added so much. I think it's super valuable. And I think everyone should work in the service industry at some point. I totally agree. I think that should be a law. You know, you know how some yeah. countries mandate military service. We should mandate yes. restaurant service. Yes. That would be so much better. People would have more empathy for each other. Oh, I mean, that is my one wish for this world. Mm-hmm. So that's all of our listener questions for this time. Those uh, were great. You got, those were great. Thank you guys for sending them in. If anybody has any more questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, please reach out to us on all the socials. We are available and here and want to hear from you. And we hope you have a great week. All right, folks, that's all for this time. Thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to hanging out with you again in the next episode. Please subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to podcast on. And thanks again.